This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now... Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we'd like to welcome you to episode number 40. I'm Nick Howell. And through fire and brimstone, (laughs) surviving the ruins of the Sepulveda Pass, the smoldering ruins, I have made it to the podcast. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome, welcome to our show Which, uh, we're, we're going to have to apologize today for being a little bit froggy, but uh, our town is on fire. It's, it's all going up. Uh, uh, actually, luckily today, everything seems to have started calming down. Uh, there is still plumes of smoke coming from Ventura County, which I could see as I came over the Sepulveda Pass, which now, thankfully, that is out. But uh, yeah, you know, thoughts going out to all the people who have been displaced by this and big ups to the fire teams because, man, they are kicking some serious ass. They were they were uh, they were pushed back at the beginning, but now it seems like they're they're starting to win the war. So I saw San Francisco fire trucks driving down Ventura Boulevard yesterday. Man, they've tons come of, from all over the tons pl- of love I had to those Black guys. Blackhawks flying over yesterday up here. I mean, they deployed the National Guard. It's it's a big deal, guys. There's five massive wildfires. Uh, I'm basically surrounded by them. I've got one on each side up here, and uh, the big the one that's really far away is the big one, a hundred thousand acre one now is the Ventura County one, but. 15 minutes up the street in Somar, there's one, uh, the Creek Fire, and then right over the other side of the hill, we had the Skirball Fire. Skir- Bel Air, yeah. Skirball Fire. Yeah, sorry, it's Rupert Murdoch, your mansion burned down. <laughs> sorry, buddy. Boo hoo. Yeah. But welcome to the Busted Wide Open podcast. We're going to try and keep things light from here on out because we're here to talk about the graps, the wrestling. In this particular instance, we're going to talk about WWE. SmackDown Live has been gearing up for Clash of Champions. Raw's got a long way to go to its next pay-per-view, but it's been filling its time pretty well. We have a lot of stuff going on over on that brand. Uh, but in the meantime, we want to tell you guys to go over and check us out on Facebook. We have a Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Please join us there. Talk about whatever topics you want to talk about that's going on in professional wrestling. Throw up a meme. Tell us about the show, what you like, what you don't like. Feel free to just kick in, hang out with us. We're there all the time. Love to talk to you guys about what's going on with the show. Yeah, over on Twitter as well, you can follow us at BWO Podcast. Try to live tweet every episode of Raw and SmackDown throughout the week, even NXT sometimes. But forgive me for not being there this week because we're on fire. We're on fire. And I had, I, you know, I was delivering water and stuff. But other than that, 
Uh, yeah, great stuff going on over at the Orbital Jigsaw Merchandise Store. Head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. Pick up a t-shirt, a sticker, coffee mug, phone case, any of that good stuff. Helps us support the show and helps us keep the lights on here on Busted Wide Open. Well, and while the lights are on and the apartment still isn't burned down, we got to go talk about some of the stuff that's happened this week. Now, now there wasn't too much that was like major, right. big, big news, but there still was some big news. He's awake. Matt Hardy has awoken. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, finally. Finally, after almost a year of struggling to get his intellectual property back, released from Impact Wrestling, Matt Hardy has finally, finally debuted the now known as the Woken Matt Hardy character on Raw. And th- this is pretty big news because it has implications beyond just the fact that the the gimmick has debuted it's it is it's implications for impact it has implications for intellectual property across all strata in wrestling yeah um and it's also an interesting thing to keep an eye on in terms of what he's going to do with the character now that it's a WWE character now that's that's on WWE TV uh i i don't know i think in my opinion i understand why he did it why he went from basically in a match with Bray Wyatt last week, just having kind of a little breakdown after the match, like a a, a moment in the corner where he kind of started screaming and then did the delete uh, movement, right? Where he went from that to boom, he's fully woken this week, and he had a promo where uh, it was intercut between one of his promos as Broken Matt or Woken Matt and Bray Wyatt doing one of Bray Wyatt's gibbly goobly gobbly promos, mm-hmm. uh, which. Frankly, initially felt a little weird, but we'll get to that promo in a second. I, just, I thought it was interesting that he went full woken in the in the course of a week. Well, it, it one of the things that WWE is doing now, and all of the superstars involved, is they are extending. Be, they're going meta beyond the the actual broadcast shows. So Instagram and YouTube and the website and Facebook and all of these things that are going on around social media, it has become a literal. An extension of the kayfabe of sorts, in they're carrying it into their personal lives and and portraying it. So Matt Hardy had a busy week this past week on social media before he did the gimmick, alluding to a lot of these things that we finally saw the culmination of on Monday Night Raw. Well, never let it be said that WWE is ahead of the curve on modern technology and social practices, because I remember seven years ago they were struggling to try and figure out how social media worked. Uh, to the point where they would have an obnoxious amount of hashtags and talk about this on Twitter. And, and they still do that, but it's nowhere near as obtrusive and in your face. They just put out content. Yeah. They put out content that drives people to their social media sites, to their online media sites, to YouTube, et cetera. Uh, and they get tons of hits off of it. And this week, one of the most searched and, and watched things in WWE was the awakening of Matt Hardy. Uh, and this promo, I think, was the most watched YouTube clip on WWE this week. Uh, so it's, it is working in that sense. And he is actually trying to find a way into it. But it's still only over the course of a week. When he was originally broken in TNA Impact, it was over the course of months. You know, he had a match with Jeff and came back. You know, Jeff then, then Jeff was being tormented for a few weeks. And then Matt finally came back. And it was just, it kind of grew and grew and grew. It wasn't a boom, quick thing. Right. Uh, and part of that was because they were building the character. I mean, you can kind of say it parallels how they evolve characters on NXT, 
where the character is built on NXT and they basically come into Raw or SmackDown as whole cloth and you get no backstory for the character. You know, you don't know who Bobby Roode is. You don't know what Bailey's whole story was in her incredible NXT run. Um, and, and sometimes that works where all you need is the presence of the character and sometimes it doesn't work because you have no idea what the character's backstory is or why you should care. And so this is one thing that I'm worried about with the Woken Mac, Matt Hardy is how well people know this character. Can he dive right in and have it work? Or does he have to kind of reintroduce people to the character? And I think just based on the reaction that we're already seeing as far as views and everything, and, and also the reactions he was getting when he first came back to WWE, right. I think he's safe. Yep, I, think I, it's I, okay. was, I was worried about it. And obviously time will tell. We're just at the nascent stage of this. But I think he'll be okay. I think it'll be fun uh, to see this evolve because, as I said last week, one of the things that are key to me is, are they going to give him creative control to uh, to build this as big as he would like it to be? Or is somebody going to step in and go, yeah, we don't really want to take it that far? Well, here's the thing. From all reports, Vince is a big fan of the the broken Matt, woken Matt character. Okay. I, how well he gets it is something that none of us know. We have yeah. no idea how well he, quote-unquote, gets the character. Obviously, it's not something that's easy to grasp. It's pretty much all coming out of Matt Hardy's brilliant, weird mind. Yeah. Um, well, here's, and, here's a big question for you. Does this help Bray? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, it, See, I would say the opposite. I think it does. Really? Because yeah. in, in, when, So this promo, it flashed back and forth. Bray would say like a sentence or two, and then Matt would say a sentence or two in, in, in both of their very unique cadences. And by juxtaposition, because Matt's, because Broken Matt or Woken Matt is just so weird and funny and off, and you know, it's, it's obviously partly a goof, but he takes it so seriously and he stays so, so invested in it that it becomes fun. Bray is also really invested, but he's very, very serious. There's no even hint of winking or campiness or anything. So in the juxtaposition of the two, uh, having them flash back and forth, it made Bray look like an idiot. Like he, you know, we, we already say that some of his speeches become like high school play drama kind of thing. And, and it, it just makes it, feel more like that when it's put against something that's as deliberately campy as Woken Matt is. So I think it actually really undercuts the seriousness of Bray's character. It, it you know, we've been saying for a while now that the intimidation factor and the scariness of the Bray Wyatt character is long gone because he can't, you know, he can't win his feuds, yeah. which takes away his intimidation factor. Uh, all of the things that he says are going to come true don't come true. That takes away the idea that he's a cult leader who has his you know, finger on the button of what is reality. Sure. So you know, in this context, it only undermines his character even more as an intimidating figure. So I, I, and I don't see any way that Matt Hardy is going to come into this and not win his first feud. That was my point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause this is just another time where Bray Wyatt's just going to get steamrolled over and look like a fool. So I don't think this is good for Bray at all, but at the same time, I don't care because I'm done with Bray. I'm done with his character. And if they want to steamroll over him yeah. in order to service the broken or the woken Matt Hardy character, I'm all for it. Go for it. If there's anything that I think they could have done to make it better, it would be have Bray use his mind games, which he's been doing on supposedly doing on everyone for all these years, but none things ever worked. 
except for, you know, briefly turning Daniel Bryan to his side and briefly stealing the souls of Undertaker and Kane or whatever crap they were saying, you know, that those didn't hold. But it would have been more interesting if Bray had been trying to put the mind juju on Matt Hardy and broken him or woken him over the course of a couple of weeks. It just happened so quickly. Didn't we just see that with Randy Orton earlier this year, though? No, because the entire time we all knew Randy was just playing Bray, and it made Bray look bad because we all could see that Randy was playing him, and he was the one who was supposed to be omniscient, and he couldn't freaking see that Randy Orton, (laughs) one of the biggest backstabbers in the history of the WWE, was just going to backstab him. Yeah. So, that, no, that was another instance where Bray looked like a freaking moron. I agree with you to an extent that um, it would have been better to have Bray almost as a puppeteer of sorts after he had cracked Matt Hardy, whether it was woken sure. or broken, whatever. I think Almost in a managerial kind of role, uh, I think that could have been worked really well, almost as if he was pulling his strings. Well, or have him pull out this side of Matt's character, and then you know Bray can step back and be like, look at what I've wrought, even though it may destroy me yeah. in the process, you know, I have cr- unleashed this force upon WWE. Beautiful. That would have made more sense. That would have actually given some sort of strength to Bray. Where would have even, been creative, what, you could say. Yes. Something. Yes. Creative. What an interesting word that is. Right. Uh, well, moving on, we got to talk about the other big news of the week, and that is the Clash of Champions, the go-home show, is next week, and obviously the Sunday after next is the actual event itself. We finally have seen most of the card get finalized this week, either on social media or on the show itself, uh, we're going to run down really quickly some of the, the matches on this card because some of them are bizarre. And we'll obviously describe how we got to these matches once we get to the SmackDown segment of our show. But really quickly, we have Natalia versus Charlotte in a lumberjack match with all the other ladies in the division around the ring. You've got AJ versus Jinder with no stipulation. We knew that was coming. Jinder uh, invoked his rematch clause last week. My only question here is, will the Singh brothers be there? or will he, will he find some new goons? And if so, who are they? Uh, you've got Baron Corbin versus Bobby Roode, which we knew for the U.S. title. But they inserted Dolph Ziggler into this match. Now, I don't know if I went to the bathroom or something. I completely missed this, and then all of a sudden, Rude and Corbin show up in a promo, and then Ziggler comes into yep. it. Now, So help me, maybe for the listeners that were also going to take a piss during this, <laughs> what was the thing that I missed where Zolf Ziggler got himself inserted into this, making it a triple threat match? I have no idea. <laughs> it was. This is, why, this is why I want to talk about this, because okay. a lot of these decisions are like, What? Why is he in this match? Now, here's the thing. From a booking standpoint, it does make sense why they put Ziggler in here. It's kind of like having Ty Dillinger in the match with AJ earlier this year. Sure. You know what I mean? You have someone else to take the fall. Someone else who... Because right now, if you have Rude versus Corbin, like we, I believe, said last week, if you have them straight up against each other, you want Rude ultimately to get that belt. And so Corbin's got to pull some shenanigans in order to get out of this match without... You know, I let this feud go for a while because you can't have Corbin lose right away. He just got the title, so you can't put it on Rude right away. But if Rude loses clean, it looks really bad for him, especially in his first major title feud. Yeah, but they could turn him heel off the back of it. Well, but Corbin's already heel, so then you have heel versus. So that doesn't work either. Two heels against him. But here's how you keep this feud rolling: you throw Dolph Ziggler in there, and then you can have Rude not get the title because Dolph Ziggler is involved somehow. Whether it's Corbin puts the end of days on Ziggler or something like that happens. It's Rude is protected by having this be a triple threat. Corbin can be protected. Basically, at this point, Ziggler's career is keeping other people hot. 
So in your mind, Corbin's not dropping this belt either way? Not not on this show. I don't believe so. I mean, obviously, we'll get more into it next week when we talk about the actual show show. Ziggler, in my opinion, is just here to keep both these guys looking strong. That's all he's here for. Well, I did notice that he was on commentary this week during during one of their matches, and I did notice that he was putting over Bobby Roode as a legit competitor uh, on commentary. So I'm wondering if that's why it's there. It Maybe they didn't feel like the beef between Corbin and Roode had been stewing long enough, which I would agree with. It hasn't. There's no reason for these guys to be battling other than Bobby Roode stepping up to the challenge, which I'm a fan of. Face Bobby Roode stepping up to an insurmountable challenge of Baron Corbin. Fine. Uh, but it, it was interesting to me because I didn't see it coming this way. Uh, it makes sense from a booking standpoint because you need that, Bobby Roode needs that extra little fire going in there. But I, these, he, these guys were done. They finished he, well, their feud. Well, they did, and, and they did sell that well by having Ziggler say, okay, well, we had our feud. I lost, and I have respect for, Ziggler, for, for Roode. But at the same time, screw that guy. I'm Dolph Ziggler and <laughs> screw everyone. Uh, so, no, Ziggler is just the heater in this match, and it, and it works well. You know, it's, it's going to work. It still, in my opinion, shows the level that Ziggler's at right now, what they think of him. He's basically the guy they're going to make other guys on the back of. Yeah. But uh, at the, yeah, in hindsight, now that they've booked the match, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. There was no story reason for it, no. as you said, but it makes sense. Another match that kind of makes sense uh, in hindsight and should be a good match, but at the same time, it's not at all what we thought was going to happen, is the tag team Fatal 4-Way you got uh, Gable and Benjamin, which we, we thought would be in the tag team title picture. you got the Usos, who, of course, the champs. It is yep. Clash of Champions. Yep. All the championship belts must be defended. Uh, but because of, for some reason, the New Day got inserted into this because they beat Gable and Benjamin, and then they had the thing with the Usos. And the, the New Day got inserted somehow. I can't keep up. And then, you know who else got inserted this week? Who? Rusev. Yes. Rusev and English are now a tag team, as we said they would be months ago. But they're now a tag team that beat the New Day this week. So because of that, suddenly they're in this match, too. How over is Rusev in English right now? They're pretty... I mean, we'll, The whole we'll, Rusev Day thing, right? We'll get into that when we get to SmackDown okay. Live because that's definitely some, a topic of conversation. But uh, it's as... as if, you, if you go on, I believe it was Instagram or Twitter, Gable and Benjamin put out a video uh, where they basically were like, why are they in this match? Why? What are they doing in this? What are they doing in this match? What are they doing in this match? It was it, it, that's pretty much how I felt about it. Was what? I mean, in hindsight, yeah, this should be a great match. I'm excited for it. But yep. at the same time, wow, we got to this point really quick. This escalated quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of escalated quickly, we also got told this week that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will be facing Randy Orton and a partner of his choosing in a tag team match. At Clash of Champions. Now, we're going to get into what all went down on that because that's kind of the main thrust of the plot over on SmackDown. But yeah, that's another match that should be entertaining. How does this card look so far for you? I mean, is, is this, or did we rush into some of these feels? Like we said, like in hindsight, these matches look like they should be fun, but is there really like any momentum behind these storylines or they just rush into this? Here's my take on this one. So if creatively, the way that I would book this is I would book it around the championships themselves, not the the teams or the superstars that are in it. And it feels like they're doing it the other way around where they're making it about the feuds and they're trying to build these really quick 
snappy kind of feuds that are just popping up out of nowhere and not making it about the championship. I want to see this be about the the what's going on around the championship. And, and yeah, I'm okay with a fatal four-way for the tag championship because anybody that's had a shot, and it's SmackDown and Land of Opportunity and all of that stuff that you've put over this year throughout uh, the course of this year in uh, on SmackDown. I want to see this be more about the championships than the individuals involved. And speaking of the championships, looking at this card... I don't know if any of these championships are changing hands. I could see... Yeah. Which, I could see Corbin and Root dropping the belt, but that's I, the only... Uh, that's a stretch, even. That's a stretch, even. Yeah. Like, he has, he's barely held it, but again, you know, that would be in line with Corbin. But, but to whom? You know, so it's... Root. But that, but that, again, then why have Ziggler in the match? I, I don't know. To I make know. Corbin look better? When he drops it, because I mean, so you want you want me to do this now? Because Ziggler respects Rude's in-ring ability so much, he's gonna pin. He's gonna knock out um, uh, Baron Corbin and allow Rude to pin Corbin to take the championship. I, I'm calling it right here. I think that's what's gonna go down. How is it that far down your rabbit hole? <laughs> it's dark. It's and dreamy. <laughs> it's dark and lonely. I'd imagine. <laughs> oh, no, so it's a, not. So there's like a lack of one-on-one matches. I think we'll see a couple more matches get made. I think Mojo Raleigh might have something to do, and you might find a couple other things to do, but. Yeah, we'll see. But in the meantime, we have so much to get through. We got to go start talking about Monday Night Raw. Well, this week we opened up Monday Night Raw again with Kurt Angle coming out and announcing that Roman Reigns would be defending the Intercontinental Championship in another open challenge on Monday Night Raw this evening. Right here in Los Angeles, California. At the Staples Center. And as he was about to announce who the competitor, who the challenger was going to be, Jason Jordan's music pops and he comes out. (laughs) Now, I would like to take a moment to talk about Jason Jordan. (laughs) Um, I'm 50-50 on Jason Jordan and I'm not sure whether I'm tired of it or if it's starting, if I'm starting to recognize just how brilliant it is. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm in that weird middle space right now where I'm really getting annoyed, but I'm going, wait a minute. This is yeah, that's- this is some legit crybaby heel work that's happening, whiny, bratty stuff that's going on. And if they take it, they're getting to the point where I thought they were going to go five months ago when they first announced this, where it was going to be the favoritism and the father's sure. son and all of that kind of stuff. And it's getting there without saying it's there, but it's there. It's They're doing a really good job of having it be a slow move. Like They're not rushing it they're letting it organically happen we are organically watching jason jordan turn into a heel in front of our very eyes and those boos that they were getting from the crowd from this kind of weird push that he was getting and everyone's like oh they're choosing jason jordan we don't like that boo and now jason's coming out there and acting like he's this heroic face but at the same time doing it in such an entitled whiny way that it makes everyone go nuts and it's working. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why you're still divided on it is because they haven't fully pushed him over the edge into full-on healdom. He's just still that annoying, like kind of leaving babyface character where he just he just drives you nuts. Yeah. And he's doing a really good job at it, too. Well, I want to give credit where credit's due. Props to the SoCal Los Angeles audience, first of all. The WWE Universe here in LA. You guys are always loud and noisy and stuff. But I remember I was chatting live with Jared, uh, one of our uh, listeners and friends of the show, uh, during Monday Night Raw. And I was like, damn, LA's got heat for Jason Jordan. No, they were hating on him. But, Holy but smokes. he was also earning it. And yeah. they were earning it with the writing they were doing for him and for this whole angle. And it also it's working because... When you have Roman Reigns come out, which he did, and basically said, 
hey, kid, you have to earn your shot. Yep. Uh, it worked because compared to Jason Jordan, Roman does come across as looking like more of a badass. And, yep. and again, you've put Roman against someone who the crowd organically hates, like Elias, like The Miz, uh, and, and it makes Roman look good by comparison. And you didn't see the th- everything shift until Samoa Joe came out later in this whole segment after Jason Jordan was basically like, I want my shot at the IC title. Roman said, you have to earn it. Um, you haven't done enough to earn it yet, kid. Uh, and Samoa Joe comes out and gets the biggest reaction of anybody. He, obviously, it, hometown crowd. He's yep. from Huntington Beach. So that doesn't surprise me. I, I'm curious to see if his, if his reaction lasts, if he's in somewhere else. But he definitely was more over than either of these guys. People were loving them some Joe. But it also might be because of the three of them who are all posturing to try and look like badasses, Joe actually comes across as a legit scary mofo. Yeah. So that might have been part of it as well. But here's the thing. This is a, this is a weird dynamic. If we thought that uh, like a month ago that Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Jason Jordan would all be feuding with each other, we would have been like, what? I would, I, would agree, I would have agreed with you on the Samoa Joe angle, but not Jason Jordan is an interesting insert into here, but I think it's a segue into what's going to be a bigger Samoan feud between Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns. Yeah, I think kind of I mean, like... It could be a long-term thing over the years. Yeah, and kind of like Ziggler, I think that, that you have JJ in there to kind of you know spin the wheels of the larger feud, and there's other things that happened in the evening that are that they're obviously making a bigger picture out of it. And I like the fact that they're actually taking the kind of the overall plot of all these guys and making it a bigger, ongoing, longer storyline. Yeah. You know, and some of the elements are, are happening organically over a longer period of time. So that they're actually surprisingly for once doing pretty delicately and, and very well. Uh, and so props where props are due. Uh, but that being said, I'm wondering how long Jason Jordan will be involved in this before we just split off and get Samoa Joe Roman Reigns. One of the reasons for this, as we said earlier, is that it's a long time until the next Raw pay-per-view. We have a lot of time and a lot of ground to cover between now and then, so they have a lot of time to fill. And I think this is a really good way of doing it, is having more elements in these different feuds and having some of the feuds bounce off of each other in order to create more plot, more storyline, and keep it interesting, keep us invested. And frankly... It's working. Well, I got to say, this was not a bad match. Uh, I, was, I was ex- wasn't expecting it to be this entertaining, but it was actually a really decent match. Also highlighted by the fact that Samoa Joe was sitting up backwards in a chair at the top of the ramp, just gawking at him the Staring entire time. Staring unblinking at the match. Yeah. I mean, just this whole element of it. And you'd see, see Roman Reigns look back up the ramp at him every now and then during the match. But these guys put on a hell of a match. It I was... was- it was good. It was a very good match. Very reminiscent to the one they had uh, a couple of months ago. Sure, um, when 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 Jason Jordan first started getting his quote unquote opportunities, right. and he had a match with Cena, and he had a match with Reigns. Yeah, these guys had good chemistry. They work well together. They're both strong as hell. D- Jason Jordan carried Roman Reigns across the ring to do a turnbuckle uh, spear or push whatever, Bomb or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, he did it four times in a row. Roman is a big dude. Yeah, that's that was inc- that was an incredible show of strength. Uh, of course, after the match, Joe comes down, tries to get involved, tries to choke out Roman Reigns. Jason Jordan saves him and then gets a Superman punch for his efforts. Uh, but obviously, JJ lost this match. Uh, his knee gave out again. Uh, he tried to put on that Northern Lights suplex, and you know he did a great job of selling the leg while he was trying to put it on. Like It was, it was good selling from him. It was all around very quality match, which actually leads me to talk about something else real quick. Okay. Real quick, he says. 
uh, <laughs> as he as he gets his shovel. So after Raw, we had the debut of the new Corey Graves show, Straight to the Source, which is yep. basically it looks like it's going to be an interview show in the arena, either before or after uh, an event. Is it Renee doing something similar? Uh, she might be, but all I know is that they're basically trying to find a way to get more content without spending a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what this was. Yeah. And his first interviewee, of course, was Roman Reigns. Well, this was a very eh, this is a, this had a lot of grist for the mill, if you will. This interview, and I, I, I it, it's interesting to try and think about what of this was scripted, what of this was actually Roman, just being Roman. They tried to make him come across very natural, very approachable. Uh, but at one point, Corey Graves says point blank, "Is Roman Reigns WWE's top guy now?" And Roman's response was, "Every day of the week." This is the top of the mountain here, point blank, period. He goes on to say, and this is something that I'm, I'm going to stop and we're going to react to. Reigns, after that, said that he is the best performer in the world right now. <laughs> oh, my sides. He must not have ever watched New Japan. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Obviously, initial reaction aside. That pisses me off, actually. It, it, it pisses you off. It makes me laugh. But that's the initial reaction. Let's set that initial gut reaction aside and take a look at what he's saying, why he's saying it, and how he's saying it. So he says he's the best performer in the ring in the world right now. He goes on to say, you can go to my matches and my pay-per-views over the last three years, and you can say I'm an idiot, or you can be like, man, he's got a point. So... He's saying over the last three years, he's had the best matches in the world. Now, he's a guy who is at the top, whether by talent or not. He's been put in the position to be the top guy in the inarguably the biggest wrestling company in the world. Yep. On that stage, there is an argument to be made that in big match situations, top of the card, he has more often than not been in matches that are good or watchable whether or not you like the outcome the matches themselves have been good in addition the environment that he's working in where they're doing this four to five days a week if not more is a much more difficult environment than say the indies or nxt or new japan where some of these guys who are putting on these incredible matches they don't have to wrestle week in week out all year long yeah so in the environment he's in he's doing a very good job uh, in addition, I think a lot of people, even people who are his detractors, will agree that the man is talented and he's he's smooth in the ring. He does put on quality matches, as we just said he did with Jason Jordan. He does put on quality matches. So there is an argument to be made for him being an elite level performer. And he's definitely should be on the list of people that we consider uh, filling a role that very few people in this world and especially in that business could fill. You know, even if you take someone who is renowned all over the world as a great performer, let's let's say like a oh, let's uh, for the sake of argument, let's say Pete Dunne. Okay. Okay, UK champ. He doesn't have the he's got the presence, but he doesn't have the look that Roman Reigns does Reigns does, and he hasn't had as many major high-level matches to be able to establish whether he's that high of a performer. He's an excellent performer and he's had nothing but stellar matches this year but not on the level that roman reigns has so there is an argument to be made there now, now at this point i'm basically just running down a devil's advocate scenario sure 
because I in no way think Reigns is the best performer in the world right now. I'm just sitting over here fuming. Because that's it's just not true. No, it's not. The other question is, Reigns is saying this in an environment... Let me, that, let me be clear. He's not even in the top five, arguably the top ten, in my opinion. Okay, well, we'll and we'll get back to what we consider the, the, top, the tops in a yeah. second. Like, who could be better than him? I, I want to point out really quickly, he's doing this in an environment that is... Let's say it's a, a, a worked shoot. It's yeah. semi-kayfabe. We're getting a little bit more of the Joe Anoa'i uh, guy in the Roman Reigns character than we normally get, but it's still definitely the Roman Reigns character saying this. And he is not the first person to have said, I'm the best. There's a whole history of people in this business who have said, I'm the best, even though there's an argument against it. There's, they are still saying it because you have to project that level of confidence if you're the number one guy. Yep. Jericho, CM Punk, Bret Hart, these are all guys, Shawn Michaels, these are all guys who have gone on record and said, I'm the best, Flair. You know, there's, they're, they're going, on, going on record and saying, I am the best in the world. No argument. So he is actually following a long line of people who have said that as a way to get their character over and to project this kind of confidence in wrestling. I believe them. <laughs> and that's, of course, the counter argument. Uh, the, the thing is, is that, as I said before, there is an argument to be made for him being on an elite level in the world in terms of performers. He's not saying the best wrestler. He's saying the best performer. And that's a, that is, there is a difference there. It's a difference between saying pro wrestling and sports entertainment. So I do think, as much as I hate to say it, as much as I laughed, I laughed when I first heard this, there is an argument to be made for him being one of the best performers. Because, by association. By, well, that's, and that's where I was going to go next, is that let's take a look within WWE. As we've said, they have a very specific way of running their company and having the wrestlers work, yeah. right? They can't do kind of the, some of the crazy shit that you can do in other places because of the schedule and because they have to keep doing it week in and week out and they right. have to preserve their bodies and their careers. And they book that shit years in advance. Uh, in some other places. The not, venues, not, right. The, right. So, in that sense, let's look within WWE itself. Sure. Who can we say in WWE who's a better performer than Roman Reigns? Maybe not, because in his position, in the top guy position, that, you know, he's been given the keys to the kingdom, and that is a very difficult position to have. There's been lots of guys who've been given that position who have, have failed, who have not been able to hold up their end of the bargain in terms of you know, get keeping over or keeping interesting to the crowd and um, doing all of the media that they have to do. Like it's it's a difficult job. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Some people just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um. And so he he is doing that. But let's let's take that out of the equation. And just say in ring performer. Who in WWE are better in ring performers than Roman Reigns? And AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, even though he hasn't gotten his shine yet, uh, where help me out here. But here's Who the thing. But okay, so let me let me do a counter argument. Shinsuke Nakamura has not really had an amazing match since the Sami Zayn match. He, he has said WWE, so I'm counting NXT stuff. Well, okay, that's fine. But he but he's not as consistent as Roman Reigns is, according to you know by by this by this mediocre. But I'm I, saying I'm saying by this metric, you know, Roman is putting on a higher quality of matches in general than Shinsuke Nakamura is. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. There's an argument for, it, but Sami hasn't really been given the opportunity to show off how consistently he's putting on these amazing matches uh kevin owens has had a couple of duds uh 
I think the one person that you mentioned that's a great person to to draw a comparison to is AJ Styles. Okay, so let's limit it to those two then. Let's just let's just talk. And let's do a compare contrast between those two. Let's and talk AJ they, Styles. They both and Roman got Reigns. belts now. They both have belts. AJ a- has the belt, yes. arguably, but so, it's I can it, There is going to be a time in the next year when Roman Reigns has either the Universal or the WWE Championship around oh, his waist. It, probably about April. Yeah. So, but here's here's the here is the the comparisons that I want to draw between these two guys and why I think that this is just Roman basically winding people up, trying to get people talking on, on social media and playing into his character. Is because there is no way that you can say that he is a better performer in ring in the WWE style than AJ Styles. Correct. And one of the reasons for that is that AJ elevates everyone that he's in the ring with. Every time AJ has a match with somebody, he makes them look better than we've ever seen them before. Whereas Roman Reigns pretty much stays at his level. And if people are able to work at his level, then they, he has a good matches. And he's had a lot of these matches that he's bragging about with some of the best people in the world. You know, except for like, let's say like the one, the one difference would be uh, some of his matches with like, like, uh, like a Braun Strowman or a, a big show or a Kane, like some of these big monsters where it's just a slobber knocker. Uh, then you know you're you're talking about a different style of match, but like if it's a if it's a talking about a wrestling performing match, what are some of his best matches recently? AJ Styles was in them, you know he he had a match against John Cena that was kind of a snooze. AJ Styles had some of the greatest matches in WWE history with John Cena. So if we look down AJ Styles' matches since he's been in the WWE in the last couple of years versus Roman Reigns, in addition you pile on the on the, the fact that AJ is over with everyone, right? Roman has trouble getting cheered. He has a big reaction, but is that really what you want in your top guy? Is half your audience booing you and half your audience cheering you, but you're getting a reaction? Or do you want to be like AJ, who they couldn't keep heel because people like him too much? And he's another guy that says, I'm the best. And no one has a problem with that. And I believe him. Because he backs it up. You know what I mean? Because he, he gets in there and we can tell that he is able to change up his performance based on who he's with and make them look better. Whereas Roman Reigns gets in there and it's going, you're, you pretty much can guess what a Roman Reigns match is going to be. He may be smooth. He may be, you know, have all his stuff may look good uh, and he may have chemistry with someone, but you pretty much know you're going to get a lot of punches. Yep. Pretty, you know, maybe a Samoan drop or two. And this week he tried to put on a submission move that didn't look good. Uh, it was nice to see him try to change up some stuff and get. Some oh, you talking about in the there. half crab? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was actually intrigued by that. I was like, well, it was oh, surprising. Wow. I have not seen. I I love seeing a good half crab. But isn't it interesting that Roman Reigns calls himself the best performer in the world, and we're surprised when he pulls out a submission move? You yeah. know what I mean? He doesn't have a huge <laughs> arsenal, no. like AJ Styles does. So again, I, I, a huge, a huge aside, a huge tangent. But I had to bring that up because there is an argument for Roman Reigns being one of the top performers in the world. And as he says, if you had used the word draw, I would be with you. Uh, if you had used any other word besides performer. But how can you prove much that Roman's is a draw? As much. I don't know. As, as much as it's put over that he's the big dog and he's strong and he's all he's superhuman strength and Superman. Pun- the reason he wears a vest is because he's got a flabby belly and he ain't got no pecs. He has no muscle tone whatsoever. Yeah, he's got shoulders and biceps. Great, congratulations. The reason that 
this is all things that if you if you see these guys, almost all of them wrestle with their tops, their shirts but, off but, because okay, they're. I think. That's, hang on, let me finish. Uh, if they, all of these guys wrestle with their shirts off because they're in amazing physical shape, and when you put Roman Reigns over as this superhuman that has amazing strength, that is this incredible in ring performer, and you keep him in a shirt and his vest because he's it's when he takes it, it looks like Ellsworth when he takes it off. Come on, I I think that's that's. I don't think that's a fair criticism to make of your top performer, whether or not they're in. He's you know, not most, my top performer. But it's the WWE. It's he's he's their top performer. He's the guy that they have chosen to be their number one guy, and it's not because he's got abs. It's because when he walks out, he projects superstardom, and he does. He does. He does bring a big presence. Let me be clear. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to come across as petty. I don't want to come across as. That matters that much, but there's an image thing to these superstars when you're talking about your top guys. There's a thing about having the look and the strength and the the physique about wrestlers that are if you're gonna if the kids can believe in. Oh my God, look how strong he is! Look at how many much muscles that guy has. This is all important stuff. Now they keep him in this vest shit. Because he doesn't have that. But stuff. He, doesn't, he doesn't have. Who the a, hell else wrestles in a tactical? But he just because he doesn't have, an, doesn't have an ultimate warrior torso doesn't mean he doesn't have a good look to him. I uh. or that he's not intimidating or believable as a big strong guy. He is six five and built like a truck. I don't care if he doesn't have pectorals or, or an abs. I believe that dude could pick me up and twist me as a pretzel. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, and it's a new era. You know, now we're not talking. We're not talking about guys who are. All six four, six five, and and jacked and roided out to the gills. You got guys like Seth Rollins holding the belt. You have guys like Finn Balor briefly holding the belt. You have guys who are not Samoa Joe is out there looking legit. And does he have abs? No, I don't. I am not impressed in any way. I'm not intimidated in any way. I'm not behind in any way. Roman Reigns being any kind of figurehead of this business. I'm sorry, it ain't real. You've got 10 other guys that you could make the next John Cena, if you will, because we all know that that's, they're trying to replace him as being this face. Ooh, Kevin Owens with his stellar abs? You've got AJ Styles sitting right there. I agree that with that. everything you need to be the prototype to be, and you're pushing Roman Reigns? I'm sorry. I can't get behind that in any way, shape, or form. I think it's form. more that, that Vince is looking at AJ Styles and saying, why would I have AJ Styles when I have a Roman Reigns? Because AJ, as good as he is in ring, is still 5'11", 215 pounds as they bill him, although I guarantee he's lighter than that, So, as opposed to a six foot five built Samoan. So, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about... Looks and presentation, uh, you know, I was just talking about the intangibles earlier in, in terms of, of his as a performer. Yeah, of course. But I mean, and, and again, we've spent way too much time again on whether or not Roman Reigns, uh, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of goddamn Roman Reigns. Here's the thing. He's going to be the guy. He is the guy. It's when he comes out with statements like this that we spend 15 freaking minutes of our podcast talking about it because that's the point. That's why he makes statement like, make statements like this to get people like us riled up and talking about it and get a reaction. And it works. Anyway, one of the reasons why we're talking about this now is because I don't. it's our show and Roman Reigns is not the top of the card on our show, so it's right in the middle of our Raw talk. Let's get back to Raw. We got to talk about more things on Raw. 
<laughs> because there was more Roman Reigns on this show. Later on in the show, we had the Shield versus the Bar again for the tag titles. And it, once again, hard-hitting match. I told you they're going to put those belts back on the, the Shield. I, I, it's coming. But they didn't. They didn't. Samoa Joe came. There was actually a... So this was... I did not, not see this the, 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 No, the, the, the feud will continue because Sheamus got himself disqualified, which meant that the belts did not change hands. They were going to go finish the match. Kurt Angle comes out for some reason, restarts the match, I guess, because he's mad because he caused the whole shenanigans to happen last time with the with the invasion of SmackDown. It was his mess up, so he's putting it right. I don't I don't know. I'm going out on a limb for logic here. But he restarts the match under no DQ rules, and then chaos breaks out again. Uh, it was a good match before this, but this was a this really escalated it, and the crowd just ate it up. This was uh, fantastic. So didn't and, I. Yeah. No, it was very exciting. Uh, and then Samoa Joe comes out and tries to to interrupt things, which brings out Roman Reigns to chase off Samoa Joe. Roman goes out of the ring and in the chaos, once again, Sheamus with the brogue kick on Dean. One, two, three, the bar retains. Roman outside the ring with some consternation on his face because he didn't help out his buddies. Well, now, is this... Is this just more grist for Joe and Roman? Is this more for the bar and the shield? Does, I mean, is is the shield and Roman, are they, they're two separate entities now almost, aren't they? Are. they? Like, except for that backstage promo bit, which even then it was like Seth and Dean came across looking like his goofy buddies in that well, backstage promo. You know what? They need to do things more together. They need to stay as the shield, even in singles or tag team competition. I want to see all three of them come out together, even if it's just Seth Rollins facing off against Sheamus, for example. Uh, I want to see all three of them. I want to see Roman ringside when it's Seth and Dean facing the, but we haven't started seeing that yet. Now that we're beyond the shield competing as a unit. So I think this is the way they need to get into really, really doing this. And I think it sets up a nice primer for when you get some of these newer stables coming up, like a sanity or an undisputed era where they are going to every single time they're coming out together. But that's the thing is that you didn't have Roman wearing his shield shirt until at the end of the show when he's watching the match between the shield and the bar up until then he was wearing his vest i don't know that that matters well but it's it's a sign of solidarity you know at the seth and dean both have they both have outfits but they're always wearing their shield shirts and they also play their individual intros and not the shield theme which is we we know is Roman's roman reigns theme. theme right they don't and, play the shield theme and they're almost like two separate units you have seth and dean who are a tag team and roman's off being roman so and and it all felt like roman's here but he's also part of the shield. Remember the shield? Oh, we love the shield, but the shield is also doing their thing as Seth and Dean. It felt like two separate entities. I think that's where they're making a mistake. And that's well, but that's it's partially a mistake, but it's partially a way of getting Roman the rub from the shield without having it him kind of get superseded by the shield as a unit. So it's definitely them still trying to get Roman over by using the shield. We can't even talk about the friggin' tag division and what's going on without bringing Roman Reigns into it. I mean, I'm 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 done. I want, let's talk about what's going on in the rest of the tag division. <laughs> Sorry, we'll, 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 we'll get off of Roman because he's obviously working you pretty hard Ugh. here. There's not really much of the rest of the tag division to talk about. I mean, who else is there in the tag division right now? It's pretty much just the bar and the shield. You not we're, the the revival isn't coming back until right around the Rumble. Uh, and who else we, is there? Well, oh, so we know the um, we're getting them got those guys back at uh, end it, of next month or so. It looks like he'll be back sometime in January. Nice. We might have them come back at the Rumble. We'll see. Uh, okay. 
Well, let's move on and let's talk about what went down between uh, Braun Strowman and Elias. Yeah, let's go to your happy place. Let's yes. go to your happy place now. Let's, let's talk about... Go to your home. <laughs> come to your center. Braun so Elias, the, Elias this week uh, went, was backstage asking for a match. He said that, you know, my rematch against uh, Roman should have been mine, but instead it was given to Kurt Angle's son, uh, you know, his bastard son as Elias said to Kurt's face, which uh, did not make Kurt very happy. And so later on, when Elias had his nice little heat-getting performance, as he normally does, in the middle of it, who should come out but your boy, Braun Strowman. Yes. And uh, proceeded to lay waste to poor Elias, who even smashed a guitar over Braun at one point, which Braun just (laughs) no-sold. Just... I love this man. I, I, you know what? This this guy is so big. He is so big. How many times did we hear about uh, the Big Show and those guys being like oh, four hundred pounds, seven footers, just all that stuff? Now you've got a guy that's got the agility and the athletic ability and the speed of a, a four hundred pounder, fifteen pounds shy of yeah. it as he's built, running around doing all this stuff and no selling it like a big man should. And just, you can smash a guitar over him. You can hit him with stairs. And I love that the first thing he's doing now is just going straight for the stairs. And tossing them into the ring like they're they're nothing. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but they went to the the hard camera, the wide shot, and Elias actually flinched and rolled out of the way as this giant set, the bottom stairs, (laughs) the bigger (laughs) one, comes flying over the top of the ring. And and just lands almost a foot away from him. And I don't think that it's our markery for Braun Strowman to say that... He is one of the best special attraction wrestlers that they've had in decades. Yeah, he, you know, besides him being a genetic freak, uh, he has that presence. He has the look, and they're doing a great job of booking him. And this was a great example. Now that being said, this all ended with Kane showing up on the Titantron once again and saying, "Oh, Braun, I'm coming for you, monster versus monster." Blah blah blah. Their feud will continue next week. They have a match next week. The question is, is that the end of their feud or is this thing dragging on to freaking Royal Rumble uh, for the next however many weeks? And if it's not going to go on, where does Braun Strowman go? If it does go on, is this just dragging him down by having this just be on repeat, rinse and repeat over and over week in, week out? Someone said something to me this week when we were watching Raw and I made the comment of, I'm so done with Kane. Like, I, I just don't even like it anymore. And what he said, to, it was our friend Jared, a friend of the show, and it was... He said, uh, I'm okay with giving Kane a pass because of his legendary career. And I was like, you know what? Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. It's kind of like seeing Undertaker over the, his last year or two of his run. Yeah, he wasn't wrestling at the top of his game, but it's the Undertaker. Yeah. It's, it's appreciate the moments that we have with Glenn Jacobs where he is at the tail end of his career, a legendary almost 30-year, actually almost 40-year career at this point because he started when Smoky Mountain Wrestling in the early 80s. And it's... Wow. So the fact that it, when you put all of that in perspective that we're getting to see this, it's kind of like, it, you know, to an extent, Rick coming to the end of his run in 2008 or whatever it was, but we're getting to witness this. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, I've been down on Kane recently, but I want to, I want to be on the record of saying, you know what, Jared, fair point. Good, great point there. Uh, I, I'm okay with Kane and seeing him being, having the last run of sorts in this feud. Yeah, and I, I, I have to completely agree. I think that Kane often is very underrated in terms of the length and breadth of his career. What a, yeah. what a long, legitimately legendary career he's had. And he's been in some of the worst angles of all time. 
And he's also been in some of the best angles of all time. Uh, you know, you can say that The Undertaker is legendary because pretty much top to bottom, he was having nothing but classic matches. And Kane, you can't say the same thing about him. He's had some real stinkers. Yeah. But at the same time, the dude is a living wrestling legend. There's yeah. really no other way you can put it besides that. So there's definitely, I, I agree, a lot of love for Kane. My only issue with this current run of Kane is that he is a pale shadow of what the Kane character should be. It's, it is the definition of a nostalgia tour. We don't even have the pyro for him anymore. You just have the sound effects, which is dumb as hell. Uh, with his, the way he's portraying his character still seems very stuck in the 90s, you know, with the, the ominous uh, epithets in, in all of his promos. Uh, it, it's not entirely working for me with how they're portraying him. And I'm not a fan of the fact that they're putting over what should be their future. They're putting him over what should be their future talent. I'm looking at Finn Balor on this one. Uh, I don't know if they should be making him look like a bigger deal than them at this point. But then, you know, you have the argument of how else do you prepare him for someone like Braun Strowman? Uh, So it is, it is a difficult situation at the same time. As much as I love Kane, I can't wait for this feud to be over. Yeah, me too. Well, moving on, let's talk about the women's division. As uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had but on both shows, both Raw and SmackDown, we've had a new trio of women appear, as we've talked about here on the show. But Absolution came out, and basically, you know, they're continuing to make a really strong presence on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, and this was a this was a big week as well because it was Paige, the leader of Absolution, her first match back in WWE in over a year, and she had a match against Sasha Banks, which was. I thought a damn good match. Yeah, it was a very good match. It shows again why Sasha Banks is considered one of the best female wrestlers in the world. It also reminded us that Paige can wrestle her ass off too. Yep. And this was a, a great match with some great spots in it. Uh, some good storytelling back and forth. It showed off Paige's viciousness. It showed off how Sasha Banks is gritty. Uh, and it even protected Sasha Banks at the end because uh, there was a little scuffle outside between the other members of Absolution and Mickey James and Bailey, who were ringside for Sasha. Sasha got distracted and ended up taking the rampage for the one, two, three. But uh, so at the end, again, Absolution stands tall, as they should at this point. Uh, but I thought they, they, did, they did a great job finally with the women's division of giving us a good match, having all the women be present, having them all you know be on TV, uh, but no one looked like a fool. So this was this was a good segment for me, and also I thought a good segment was later on when Oscar had a match against Alicia Fox, and I was surprised how much offense Alicia got in, but unsurprisingly Oscar ended up killing her at the end as she should, and then Absolution came out once again, surrounded the ring, Oscar uh, as she did last week walked away, you know looked like she was very confident and kind of you know enjoying this all, walked away, Absolution let her go got in the ring, and in what I also thought was a really good character moment, uh, Paige very creepily said, you know, I love you. You're the only person that supported me when I was here last. I would never hurt you. But my two friends here don't like you very much, and they proceeded to kill Alicia Fox. And I thought yes. that was a great segment because it showed it was a great heel moment for Paige. And she did a good job of selling that she's just kind of creepy and insane, and, and, and her two bodyguards or two chicks with her are killers. Yep. So this was that was also a very good segment. And it was also a Healy kind of thing for Asuka to do to leave Foxy there to the wolves, uh, knowing Paige wasn't going to do anything, but Asuka backing out and not protecting Fox in that way well, but was I, a very Healy kind of tactic to do to just 
walk away and allow it to happen. I don't know if it's if it's a heel thing so much as Asuka's kind of above that at this point where okay. she's she's neither heel nor face. She doesn't give a shit. She's freaking Asuka. And that's also a good way to sell Asuka is she's just above all this nonsense. All she wants to do is kill people. And that that was, I thought, a good look for her as well. I agree. Well, what wasn't a good look on Hulu because we didn't get it, but it was arguably one of the matches of the week happened over on the cruiserweight division. And I'm not sure how, actually, I'm completely clear on how this wasn't on Hulu. We had a four fatal four way match to find out who was going to be, or one of the contenders. We had basically, we set this up in the cruiserweight division where we had two fatal four ways that was going to determine who was going to be face rich Swan to determine the number one contender to go after Enzo Amore's Cruiserweight Championship. Did I say that right? Sounded good to me. Yeah, this was a fatal four-way. We had one last week, which was won by Rich Swan, And then this one, you had uh, Drew Gulak, Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander, and Tony Nese. Obviously, two faces, two heels, which was a barn burner of a match. There, there was some incredible athleticism. What you'd expect from the cruiserweight division within WWE, this was my match of the week, Woo! and it was very sad that very that people, if you didn't watch it live, you you weren't going to see this match. I, I I think there's another contender that we'll get into later, but th- but this was definitely up there as being one of the best matches, which is why it's tragic that it wasn't on the Hulu version. That being said, there was so much plot going on everywhere else on this show. I can see why they would just have to you know cut their losses and say, ah, just watch it on YouTube if you if you didn't catch it live. Uh, because there was just so much else on the show. This was overall a very good Raw, by the way. Top yes, it to was. Bottom. As much as we were bitching about some stuff there, this was actually a very entertaining Raw top to bottom. And this match was no exception, uh, especially because Drew Gulak pulled out the win here and tried to give a PowerPoint presentation afterwards, once again showing why he's one of the best heels in the cruiserweight division. And I think that's a good matchup between him and Rich Swan next week to, as you say, challenge for the cruiserweight championship. Now, here's the question. If Drew Gulak wins next week, he's one of Enzo's boys. He's on the Zoe train, as they say. What happens? Does he turn on Enzo or does he just put Enzo over? I think that could be an interesting an interesting dynamic there. I could argue, make an argument for both ways that they're not going to put him up against it to give Rich Swan a little bit of a push and have Drew Gulak in Enzo's corner during the match and maybe mess with Rich Swan because he lost that thing. There's all there's you could take it both ways, but I think it would be dramatic and interesting story-wise either way you spin it, whether you have Rich Swan go up against him with Gulak in his corner or you have Gulak go up against him as part of the Zo train. It works either way for me. It does work either way, and I think this is good booking on their part yep. where they, we've we've now started to get some of these characters that we're invested in, and we're starting to see uh, some interesting angles and twists in this division. Uh, they've been doing better for the Cruiserweight division in general, but this was just another step in the right direction. Yep. Uh, one thing to just point out really quickly, I think Enzo, uh, Nia Jax was hitting on him backstage at one point during the show. And, uh, I'm not sure what to make out of that. I can't figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> you can't have a 270-pound woman come to the cruiserweight division. Like, what is she going to do over there? Holy smokes. I, I was just like, and she just like, how you doing? That's yeah. all we got. Uh, out of it. Uh, hi, Enzo. <laughs> Want to go home with me tonight? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you look lovely tonight with your with your beautiful blonde hair. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, but no, that was that was a funny moment. That was and terrifying. I don't know, I don't Please know don't if, ever do that again. <laughs> I promise nothing. 
uh, Nia Jax actually could be an interesting addition to some of the plot going on with Enzo Amore as an enforcer for him. I don't know how they would work that. They have had some. They have had some women on man uh, action recently with Becky Lynch fight, fighting James Ellsworth, but yeah. I don't know if they're going to have Nia come in as like a China to his Triple H here, which could be a, could be cool. I could be down with that, and it keeps her out away from absolution in the women's uh, picture because uh, she is such a like she's like a Braun Strowman for the women's division where she could legitimately beat anyone on any night yeah. because she's the monster. So having her be part of the Zoe train, I think, could be an interesting look. Like I said, calling back to kind of like a China situation. Yeah, that that could be interesting. I never thought about it that way. As, as sort of a be-in-your-corner enforcer kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Reminds me of Big E and Dolph Ziggler kind of stuff as well. But you go back about five, six years ago, maybe even more than that, oh, when he was world champion. Now it's Big N instead of Big E. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, the last thing we got to really talk about here is uh, your boy Finn Balor facing off against... I love Bo Dallas. I love me some Bo Dallas too. Uh, I, you know, arguably better than Roman Reigns, but I digress. Oh, Jesus. Uh, what in the hell is happening to Finn Balor? You know, honestly, given his other options he could be having right now, th- things could be worse. Again, I'm not a fan of, of what they're doing with him and Kane. Uh, I'm glad he's just going out there winning matches. This was a fun little match, yep. it was entertaining. I'm not mad at it. Um, you know, Bo can wrestle, Finn can wrestle. It's fine. Uh, I, I think at this point, have Finn spin, spin his wheels until a, a better feud comes along. Uh, it's not the worst thing that could happen. At least he's on the show. I agree. Well, head on over to the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook because we put up a poll, and we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about what your favorite moment from Monday Night Raw was. And thanks to Roman Reigns taking us down a rabbit hole, we we got to move on to SmackDown Live and get going here because we only have so much time to talk about all this. So let's head on over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, over on SmackDown Live, there is a brewing feud that kind of made up the entire show between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and whatever the hell is going on between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So uh, Daniel Bryan has pitted for back-to-back weeks both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Randy Orton and has now set up a tag team match between both of them and Randy Orton and a mystery mystery partner. What is going on here? Well, it's incredibly complex, and they're actually doing a pretty good job of weaving all these threads together. You know, the the, the Randy Orton through line where he's kind of being an enforcer for Shane McMahon, yeah. who actually made these matches. Uh, you've got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and they're continuing heel personas and fighting against the man and fighting, you know, trying to make themselves hurt and saying that the management is has a vendetta against them, which they have a point about. Um, and then you also have Daniel Bryan who's in a weird kind of in-between position where he's trying to keep order and keep the show running, but at the same time is starting to see Shane getting a little bit crazy with how he's treating Kevin Owens and Sammy and actually being pretty vindictive with all this. Yeah. Uh, and in, in addition, we do have to reveal the mystery partner was shown during the show. Randy Orton did make his choice. At one point, there's, there was a match made tonight, Sammy Zayn versus Randy Orton. Uh, because at the top of the show, Kevin Owens and Sammy were bitching about how they were being mistreated. And at the end, uh, Sammy uh, Sammy ends up describing what the ringside is and how he was able to hurt Randy last week when he was not at ringside. He was up the ramp. Right. Uh, Randy Orton, of course, comes out and, Ke- and RKO's Kevin Owens. And Shane puts Sammy in a match later in the evening against Randy Orton, during which Kevin Owens will be handcuffed to the ring rope. 
which was kind of the plot for most of the show was Kevin Owens trying to get out of that. Well, there's something you don't see every day. Uh, it was not something you saw every day, nor was I, I was, uh, nor do you see a pair of bolt cutters come out from underneath the <laughs> ring every day. It's kind of, what else they got under there? Uh, they have everything That's the first there. thing I thought of. Oh, it's, it's just a black hole to never, never land. There's all kinds <laughs> of stuff under there. Uh, but so Kevin Owens escapes the handcuffs, goes in to help Sami Zayn. Sami ends up losing to Randy Orton anyway. But then afterwards, they start to beat down Randy, and Randy's mystery partner shows up, Shinsuke Nakamura, who had nothing better to do at the time than be Randy Orton's partner here, came out, and the two of them proceeded to execute. There's no real better word to use here. They yep. executed Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yep, RKO after RKO, Kinshasa after Kinshasa, even you know uh, Randy holding up Sami Zayn's head for a Kinshasa. It was actually... A level of brutality I'm not used to seeing from supposed faces on supposed heels. It felt more like a heel beatdown to me. Yeah. Uh, and there is speculation that Kevin Owens and Sammy are still being physically punished for whatever it was they did on the European tour that got them in supposed trouble, which we're still not sure if that was a work or a shoot. But there is speculation because Randy went really stiff on both these guys in consecutive weeks. Last week, he was hitting the shit out of Kevin Owens with that kendo stick. Uh, and this week, he backdropped Sammy onto an uncleared announce table, and Sammy went right onto a monitor, and it did not look fun. He had a huge welt on his back for the rest of the match. Now, mm. if it was anyone but Randy Orton, we'd say he was being potentially unsafe here. Uh, but at the same time, Kevin Owens and Sammy in their career have had hard-hitting matches, so it's... It's hard to say. There'd be speculation only to, to try and say that. But, uh, you know, I can't look at the end of this match as anything other than some sort of punishment. Maybe I thought we were past this. I'm hoping we are. I'm hoping this was just a, a way of having uh, Randy and Nakamura kind of get over before the inevitable shenaniganry that happens at Clash of Champions. Mm. The big thing that I want to talk about out of this is uh, Daniel Bryan. And I, I, we can't go down this Roman Reigns rabbit hole again, but is Daniel Bryan going to return to the ring? Well, here's the, so here's the question. So right now, what we're seeing is that Shane McMahon has inserted himself in this match as the special referee. In addition, if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn lose this match against Randy Orton and Nakamura, they are fired, not just from SmackDown, but from the entire company. Okay. So right off the bat, we can look at this match and say, Okay, Sammy and, and Kevin, they're not losing this match. Uh, something has to happen. Well, at the end of the show, when Shane puts all these stipulations in place, very obviously setting up Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to fail and saying blatantly, I'm not done messing with these guys yet. Yeah. Daniel Bryan shoots him a look, a very long, contemplative look. And as I said last week, Daniel Bryan is the most interesting freaking general manager they've ever had. His character is fascinating right now. And the things that are going on in his head in some of these segments are great. So... We are now looking at a potential uh, future collision between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon because obviously Daniel Bryan is, is being shown to not agree with Shane McMahon's tactics or the actions that he's taking against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Hmm. The immediate guess would be that Shane somehow gets knocked out in the middle of this match and Daniel Bryan runs in to act as the, as the referee and counts the pin for Sami and Kevin Owens to win, which then sets up a whole bunch of more drama in the future. The reason we ask about Daniel Bryan returning to the ring is something that we speculated on last week. And uh, I remember you said you don't want to see a McMahon at WrestleMania. Uh, and I, because I was speculating that it's possible you'd have Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon if this 
feud continues, if, it, if this goes the way that it seems to go. Obviously, we have no way of knowing if Daniel Bryan has been cleared to wrestle. Right. WWE still says, just absolutely not. He cannot wrestle. Uh, we all know that he's pushing hard for it. There's still five months till WrestleMania. There's a lot of time for things to change. They may be setting up something where he doesn't have to return to the ring uh, in, a, in a wrestling capacity, but he could be somehow involved with a feud against Shane McMahon, at least in a war of words, a war of actions, etc. So I think they're, what they're setting up is something that could go either way, depending on what happens with his status as a wrestler. Vince McMahon has said that he wants Daniel Bryan to wrestle again, but he has to, he has to, he's looking at a company, it's a publicly traded company, and if, if it, he's, with, with the, uh, the atmosphere going on right now in sports, where you have concussion protocols and everyone's worried about head trauma, if his publicly traded company is shown to have let a guy who has you know a, a, a history of head trauma wrestle again without being completely cleared, that could cause a big problem for him. So his hands are, in a sense, tied. Obviously, he knows Daniel Bryan is a big moneymaker. Yep. And he knows that if Daniel Bryan goes somewhere else, he's going to make money for somebody else. So he'd rather have that be in-house. But it's just going to come down to the doctors. And there's one doctor in WWE who won't clear Daniel Bryan yet. We'll see what happens. Mm. Well, Ian, do you know what day it is? What day is it, Nick? It's, it's Rusev Day! That's right. Oh, man. was uh, Bless San Diego. They were all about the Rusev this week, <laughs> as obviously we are as well on this show. Rusev, yes. Rusev is just walking gold. More for Aiden English than Rusev for me. This was crazy. So Aiden English and Rusev had a tag match against the New Day, and they won clean wow oh yeah wow that's a debut now i can't see this as anything else but getting them ready obviously after this match they were inserted in the fatal four-way tag match at clash of champions i can't see them winning over the new day as anything else but a way to make them look like a legit force in this match now they have like they've only had i think one or two matches as a tag team but now they have some pedigree with one win which new day can afford to do with one win Rusev and Aiden now look like a threat in this match. What is going on where, and we can probably talk about this for an hour, what is going on where they can't figure out what to do with people in singles competition anymore, so they're just like combining whoever works together well into a tag team? Oh, come on. That's it's been, going on across the board. That's rampantly. been happening for decades. Well, decades it just seems decades. like it's going on in rampant fashion across both brands. Stone Cold point. and Triple H were in a tag team. It's happened, it happens all the time there are the superpowers why would they put those two guys in a tag team fine you put them in a tag team to just to, to play off each other to get more aspects to their character and frankly look at how well it's working it is if they hadn't put these two guys together we wouldn't have rusev day they we threw sheamus in you wouldn't have the bar you wouldn't have aiden english and uh him singing and all this i love this he would stuff. still be a jobber and yep. look at aiden english winning matches i'm not mad at this i am I'm very happy with this. I'm very happy that I heard Aiden English's music one time this year. Oh, maybe I think twice. Actually. Maybe twice now. Yeah, he was competitive against Randy Orton a couple times. Yes. That's all very exciting. Uh, so now, obviously, the right direction for both Rusev and English. But here's my question: We also had a squash match where the Bludgeon Brothers annihilated a couple of jobbers this week. Where are they going to fit in after Clash of Champions? I don't know, but I, I I love watching those guys in the ring. I think the stuff where he slaps him and the, the new things that they're coming up with uh, in the ring is fantastic. I like that they've slimmed down that video promo thing to just them slamming the hammers, and now we get them walking out. I mildly enjoy the music. I think it could be tweaked, but I'm, I'm skeptically optimistic about 
what's going to happen with these guys because I'm, I'm I love them as in ring performers. Sure, absolutely. I, I think we've said this since they debuted. The gimmick is terrible. Their in ring attire is atrocious. But man, it's a fun team, and if they keep going, they, they could go in the right direction. This is absolutely something that was horrible at the start that they can pull the plane up on in a major way. Well, heading over, we got a, uh, another segment with the Riot Squad. Speaking of planes going down, yeah. so oh. this is this is another uh, case kind of like the Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt thing where juxtaposition really does not do favors for one of the two people in the comparison. You have Absolution over on Monday Night Raw looking like absolute monsters. Paige is scary as hell. Those women all look legit. The Riot Squad this week... I can think of no other word to use than looked like a joke. Yep. An absolute joke. They were begging for matches from Daniel Bryan. They came out and threatened people at ringside, but did nothing and got their asses beaten down. And in addition, somebody in the back thought it was a good idea to give Sarah Logan some time on the mic. And she said something that I was, comp- I, I think that might have been the worst promo since they gave Kalisto a mic. Something was, about eating game meat or something. Uh, you don't eat meat. You don't eat game. They that's not control estate. That's not her natural accent. She's from Indiana. Then nothing. Oh nothing. And and I, you know, I know people from Indiana. I'm very. I'm a big fan of people from Indiana. They don't have accents like that. I thought she was from Kentucky. That's where they're saying she's from. Oh, she's okay. not actually from Kentucky. She's, they're, they're having her put on this horrible accent, and apparently she can't talk. You got to look about as scared as a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rock chairs. It's, it's bad. Stop it. Oh, boy. Stop it. Some people are not meant to do accents. Just let the poor girl talk. She's having a hard enough time <laughs> doing that. They, they really look like a poor man's absolution, again, by comparison, and it was it was awful. I, I, I really hope they, they find something to do with these poor women before they just completely... Well, they have. What, they're they're going to put them at the ringside in a lumberjack match. They're right. all going to be lumberjacks for Charlotte and Natalia's match. At right, Clash as opposed of to, again contrast with absolution who are just wiping out the division now these three are just going to be hanging at ring, ringside just like every other woman in the division i think this is a, a, a it's terrible well speaking of women in the division we've had a a very prominent women superstar missing in action recently and it's becky lynch what happened to her over the last couple of weeks after she got attacked by the riot squad when they debuted that was just an excuse for her to go shoot uh, marine six with the miz oh is she in that she yeah she's in that she'll be back uh, next tuesday i believe ah, okay. so not 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 a big deal she's not getting buried or anything she's off shooting a movie good for her yeah actually kind of makes me want to watch the marine six yeah, i'm just saying no i'm not a big fan of the marine movies but maybe i'm about to become one so it also explains a lot about miz being gone miz and Maurice over on Raw as well. Well, Maurice is having a baby. Obviously, she's yeah, pregnant. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the question is how long will Miz be gone? Will he come back in between shooting the movie and then going and having a baby? It lines up with Mania a little bit. It does. It oh, does. Boy. Interesting. Oh. oh, we could have some fun with there. Hey, last but certainly not least, we had we did have a we talked about Rude and Corbin. They and had a Ziggler. match. They, had they a did match. have a match. Uh, fine. Okay. Well, Rude, great. Rude and Corbin had a match. It was fine. Ziggler got involved. Zigzagged both of them. Obviously, that put him in the feud. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. We've already talked about that earlier in the show. It is what it is. I think it's actually a better thing for the Clash of Champions match. We also had a promo from Mojo Raleigh, who has gone full heel. He is fully on the heel train, talking about how everyone can bite him. Yeah, if the world. If the world. Yeah. I'm getting my career back on track. Zach was dragging me down. I was on the top of the world when I won the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. He dragged me down. I'm getting mine back. Uh, heading for a pre-show match at Clash of Champions. Calling it right now. 
Well, that's it for SmackDown Live and what went on in the main shows for WWE, but we can't get out of here until we go over a few kind of quick news and notes things that happened, uh, especially over in NXT. Ian, what went down? Yeah, usually this is something we would talk about on Wide World of Wrestling, but I have to throw this in there because, my God, I just saw the Cassius Ono and Johnny Gargano match, and you were talking about the Cruiserweight match on Raw being the match of the week. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Cassius Ono, Johnny Gargano is the match of the week. Absolutely unbelievable. Cassius Ono had his best match in NXT, hands down, no doubt. Uh, definitely go check that out. We'll talk some more about that next week on the wide world of wrestling. But I don't think there's anyone in WWE this year who has had more consistently good matches. Every match he's in has been incredible. Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Uh, he's got to be in the conversation for best in-ring performer oh, I can't in the wait company till comes back. right now. Oh, my God. That, oh. That's that feud is going to be amazing. Ciampa versus Gargano is going to burn the house down for all of 2018 when that happens. It's going to be absolutely be ready, amazing. Uh, also, we have an announcement in two weeks. We are going to have a UK championship match. Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate 2. Wait, again? If you remember how good that match was at TakeOver earlier this year, it's happening again on NXT in two weeks. I cannot wait for that. Well, hey, speaking of NXT, they are going to be making their broadcast debut on USA starting next Wednesday. Interesting. This is big news, and I can't wait to see how it comes across. I'm sure they're just going to embed a bunch of commercials in it, which is it's going to be the same show, but taking a taped show like they used to do with SmackDown and broad, rebroadcasting it like that, I'm anxious to see if this changes the numbers around for WWE. I mean, it could actually be that their way of making NXT even a bigger brand as well, yeah. a, true, a true third brand on uh, WWE. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Something else to keep an eye on, as we reported last week, Cody and the Young Bucks are trying to get a 10,000-seat show, indie show, uh, and this week they said that their number one picks for places to be would be L.A. or Chicago. Of Obviously, we're kind of hoping they do L.A. because we will be two of those 10,000 yes. for sure. Definitely want to support indie wrestling and, and those guys taking a stand against the big guy would be a really fun event. And I, I'm pretty sure they could put together a pretty awesome oh, show. Of course. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we reported Seamus went to a Mohawk convention in Dublin, but apparently it turned out he had to get his back checked out because he's got spinal stenosis. Which is a really scary prognosis i mean the fact that he's still wrestling right now is a good sign uh but this is this is the issue that ended edge's career uh partially responsible for ending daniel bryan's career yeah uh it ended a lot of it's ended a lot of people's careers and while seamus is 40 he's not exactly a, a new new up-and-comer yeah it's it's still he's going at the top of his game and i think he should be given i, I hope he's given all the time he can to complete uh, what is a very good career in terms of accolades and and overall just quality? I think that yeah. uh, hopefully, you know, wishing the wishing the best to Seamus and hope this uh, this diagnosis is something that he can work through and and isn't as severe as some of the other people. Yeah, he's one of those that uh, that is one belt or two belts shy of doing the Grand Slam. I mean, he's been around and had I a lot of them. I believe he is the Grand Slam. He does have. Does it. he? I believe okay. he has the Grand I, I Slam. I wasn't sure that he had the Intercontinental. That's he, the one oh, I absolutely missing. has. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe Seamus is a one of the few. Who wow. was a grand slam? Well, uh, best wishes to uh, to Seamus, all kayfabe aside. Uh, I, I love your work in the ring and everything like that. But last but certainly not least, Abu Dhabi. That show happened, and we ha- there was some interesting stuff to take away from that show. Very interesting. Uh, WWE did uh, a show in Abu Dhabi and made history because for the first time in the United Arab Emirates, they had a women's 
wrestling match. The very first time. And were the they very, in the, the outfits, the beekeeper outfits? They were not. <laughs> the, the heat, oh, the I'm heat sorry, job. Heat Jesus. Jobs, sorry. Uh, no, they were not. It was Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss, and they, they, were, they were not in their normal ring attire. They were in what I could best describe as kind of like a Power Rangers outfit. Okay. Uh, it was like a bodysuit that went up to the neck. Um, so they, they weren't as revealing as the, the outfits they wear sure. in the States. Uh, but, you know, still, it, they, both the outfits looked good, um, and they came out to a ton of, of applause. I really do recommend going onto WWE's uh, Twitter page and checking out the video that they have of Sasha Banks's entrance, uh, the chance of this is hope from the audience, from the women in the audience, uh, and Sasha Banks's reaction afterwards is, uh, I put that up on the Busted Wide Open discussion page, actually, on Facebook. It's definitely worth a look. She's in tears after the match and uh, is very, very aware of how big of a moment this is historically for that part of the world and and for women in general. Sure. Um, it's something we take for granted here in the US that absolutely. that kind of those kind of old world traditions and and things and cultures are still a thing. It still yep. happens. Yeah, and and to apparently you know, she's looking out at the audience and seeing these young women and girls looking at her doing this uh, and it was a very big moment for her, and I can only imagine how that felt for her. And it was it, it, very exciting for me to kind of watch that happen uh, from my seat in my nice, comfy house in L.A. Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely, uh, so I highly recommend people to go check out that stuff. Uh, that being said, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, good old Triple H uh, inserted himself once again into the top of the WWE card came out this week. There was a match between the shield and the bar and Samoa Joe. And at the end of it, after the shield naturally won, who should come out to insert himself into the title picture, but good old triple H challenging Roman reigns for the intercontinental title at the next night's taping, which is, I believe going on right now. So we don't have the results of that. Although I can only imagine that triple H is not your intercontinental title holder. He just wanted to have that match. He puts Roman over by doing that, you know, it's because he's Triple H. Well, yeah, and, and let's face it, he is still a draw internationally. Fine. So it's uh, it, fine. Hey, we 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 rib him about putting himself over all the time. Listen but, to Motorhead and spit water and do your pedigree and you know call it a night. But I'll I'll still mark out for that every time. Sorry, <laughs> just no more motorcycles down the ramp, please. <laughs> no more Terminators. Uh, well, guys, that's our show for this week. We apologize for running a little bit long on you this week, but we had to get all of that Roman stuff off of our chest. We had to? Did we have to? We, we, You and I both know we did. It's and not I, even done yet. We haven't even drained that blister yet. Oh, man. We just popped the blister. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed cool. all of that. Let us know what you think. Come, as we said before, come on over to the Busted Wide Open Facebook group and uh, let us know what you think. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Remember, we do live tweet some of those episodes every week, and uh, you can join us there. Last but certainly not least, if you like what we're doing, head over to iTunes or Facebook. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. But Ian, what's coming next week? Next week on our show, we've got the Wide World of Wrestling as well as the Go Home Show for Clash of Champions. Uh, We'll be talking about Progress 59, which is coming up with some great title matches, Uh, NWA and some of the stuff that's been going on over there, New Japan's having its World Tag League. We'll talk about that, NXT, 205 Live, and more all next week on the Busted Wide Open podcast. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at... Very dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. 
for more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.